this part this morning while we're working some things out. So it's all good. So for those of you who don't know, though, we do want to welcome our new pastor, Bill and Wendy. Go ahead and stand up so everybody can see you. Yes, welcome. And we're looking forward to getting to know them better and uh, see what the Lord has for the church, right, through their through the leadership. And so we're thankful for that this morning. Um, uh, church next Sunday is at 1030. Okay, so no Sunday school, but we will have a Christmas Eve service at 1030 a.m. Uh, so be here for that. Um, and we do have our normal Wednesday night service this Wednesday um, at prayer service at 630 with uh, Bible study at 7. Um, any other? No, nothing right now. Uh, first Saturday of January. Yep. Yep. Next ladies meeting is January 6th. So first Saturday of January. Five o'clock here at the church. So, um, yes. Uh, so we want to go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Uh, is there any requests anybody wanted to make known as we go to him in prayer? Okay. Let's continue to remember our lost loved ones and, um, and this church. God's will for the church. So let's all stand together. And uh, Glenda will ask you if you would to lead in prayer, but everybody join in and let's pray together. of the church. If you have ties or anything else, be sure to mark that. Otherwise, it'll go to the expense. And Steve, would you say a blessing?
day like no other day we have today we might not have tomorrow yesterday is spent but we have today and in this moment we say thank you in this moment we say that we will honor you we've honored you with our tithe with our worship god we honor you with the word may you anoint it may it be applicable to our week thank you for our time of worship Thank you for everything you've done this week. I pray, God, we can put the week aside and just focus on your word. We give ourselves to you as an act of worship. Be with us today as we as we not only go home, but as we're here. God, I ask you to be with us in our time to honor your word. And God, we give you ourselves. We give our lives as an act of worship to you. We love you and thank you in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. Man, thank you for doing everything, okay? Uh, man, she did double duty today. Uh, we, uh, you know, I know, I read, I got online and read a little bit about your history, and you've been uh, a church for a long time. Is it 33? Right? What? 1933 or 32 my father's passed and he was uh he was born in 1932 so i can tell you you've been around a while uh i'm not you know i could preach for 20 years here and not say anything that some of you haven't heard um i think pastors are different uh, I never, I'm just going to say some things and then I'll, I'll get in the word. We're in first Chronicles 27. If you want to turn there, that's in the old Testament. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. Um, I never thought we would pastor again. I run an organization where we do urban outreach to kids. We do middle schools across three States. Uh, I was pretty happy doing that. You know why? Because I was my own boss, and I kind of like that. Uh, I've had a lot of bosses, good and bad, just like you. And you learn this really quick. People don't leave jobs. They leave bosses. Yeah. Bad boss, see ya. Uh, bad pastor, see ya. I know the deal. People vote with uh, seats. Um, we pastors a lot and done a lot, pioneered a lot. Uh, we're old. We're not young. Uh, and we never thought, and, and I want to know, I want you to know something why we're here. I'm not here because I need something else to do. I got a lot to do. I got five grandchildren. My goodness, those girls are nuts. Uh, I got a lot to do in my life, but I'm here because of uh, God's calling. And I, uh, my wife and I are here because we felt like uh, this is our season to be here. And uh, I hope you're used to two things, the word, because I'm not going to give you anything else. And I hope you're used to scooting over because there's going to be more people here. Okay. Because if I got to go on quick trip and get them, drive them here, we'll get them here. But I'm not just kidding. But I'm saying that the thing that young men do usually in the pulpit is they will uh, force their vision on people. They used to train pastors. And they will come in and hell or high water, you folks are going to do it. I, I'm here with you. Uh, the first thing we want to do before we do anything else, I just want to say this. We want to get out with coffee or to your home or get out with every single person in the church. I want to hear your story. I do. I want to hear what you're about. I want you know, I'm going to say a lot of things that we've done over the next several months because I think a lot of pastors come up and you don't know their story. I believe if you don't know my story, you don't know me. I'll say it again. If you don't know my story, you don't know me. If I don't know my story, if I don't know your story, I don't know you. I think story has a lot to do with our life. Matter of fact, this book is about a story. It's about creation. 
It goes from creation all the way to the new creation, the new heavens and earth. It's about a lot of people. God individually came. Jesus did not come in a form of a message. He didn't come in a book. He came as God in the flesh and fleshed it out and lived among us. His story is an actual story. And, and I believe we all have a story. So over the next several months, I'll get your number. I'll call you. I'll ask you to go out. My wife and I want to talk to you and meet you. I don't want to go anywhere without you. Because a lot of people uh, have a vision and then they drag people through it and everybody's miserable at the end. And I, that is not the idea here. Uh, I want to hear your story and I want to grow together. We want to be a part of your community. A lot of people say that and they tell a lie. We'll be here. We'll laugh with you. We'll cry with you. We'll pray with you. And uh, I can do a good job here. Let me tell you something. Pastoring's a lot more than being a good speaker on Sunday. Don't let anybody trick you. There's a lot of guys that preach good, take their little Bible packet and go home. I'm here. You'll, if you want my number, you've got it. I didn't put it on the board today, but you can call me, text me. If you need something, let us know. We're here. And I mean it. Uh, this next month's a little tough for me. It won't be here on Wednesdays. I've got some leadership things to do in Oklahoma. Uh, they, they need leadership in Oklahoma. I'm sorry anyway. But uh, uh, I better quit. I got a lot of buddies watching this. Uh, but um, we're here for you. And I hopefully uh, my wife and I have done this before. This isn't our first time. Okay. This isn't a new pony we're getting on. Uh, we know what pastoring entails. In this day and age... Uh, it's hard to navigate this because you have a lot of issues we didn't even have 10 years ago. So you've got a lot of issues in society. You've got a lot of people coming against the church. But I will say this, we will stand strong in Jesus. And we will be God's voice and we will be a bridge to people. You have two buckets in your life. You have gasoline and water and you better be careful what you throw. So uh, as much as we can, we're going to be a bridge to people, not a place where they walk over and we burn the bridge. We want people to walk over and meet Jesus. Amen? Amen. This passage I, uh, reminds me of me a little bit uh, because I came from a small town in Ohio nestled in the Appalachian Mountains near Wheeling, West Virginia, uh, Small high school, graduating class 96. Woo! Uh, so I understand what small town life is, but all of our life we lived in the city. So all of my life, I mean, we lived in KCK where we pastored there and literally throwing my kids on the floor because bullets were coming through the house. So we've been places and done things. So a lot doesn't scare me, uh, but I live in the fear of God. And I live under his fear. And I want to do that continually. Uh, David, in First Chronicles 27, talks about people that are assigned. You know, he talks about his herds. And everybody he has assigned to things. And I know you've heard of this guy. But I am a contender that God takes people from nowhere to somewhere and does something with them. All of us. Who, who are we that God would use us? But we're here. It says in 1 Chronicles 27, 28, and over the olive trees and sycamore trees that were in the land plains were Belhanna, the Jerite, and over the sellers of oil was Joash. I'm going to talk about Joash this morning. And uh, I think that he has something to say to us. Now, next week at 1030, we will have communion. And we will have a devotional. I won't be long next week. I'm not long any weeks. My wife's timing me right now. She times every So I said, just be careful. She'll, she'll put the thumb up. Don't watch her. Because I, I just, there's a lot of guys that think, man, I got the anointing. I'm going to go till two hours. And the dove left a long time ago, pal. You don't know it, but you need to be very careful. I've been in too many conferences where guys thought they had it, and I just wanted to stand up and say, you do not. Um, <laughs> 
too many, too many preachers, training too many preachers, being in too many camp meetings, folks, where the camp left and the meeting went a long time ago. So, um, Abraham, you know, you look at him in the Bible and here's a nomad that was roaming around. Now, a rich nomad, mind you, but a nomad that was roaming and God chooses him from nowhere to be the father of many nations. Isn't it amazing? God takes Moses, a kid that was put in a basket and left for dead and a stutterer and uses him as a deliverer to deliver the nation of Israel. Paul, a killer of Christians, God uses to be the greatest missionary in the church. A young lady that disobeyed her supervisors, that walked across the street, that they told her not to go. She was young, stubborn, and insignificant. But Mother Teresa shook a nation. God sometimes takes you from nowhere to somewhere. And you know what? When I look at the life of Joash, and I've done this many times, many times, I use the KJV today because I think it's the most accurate. I know the other versions say storehouse. I didn't say it because it sounds good. I think cellar is more accurate than storehouse in this passage. I know many versions say storehouse. How many have ever been a cellar? Mm. If you think they're a basement, I got news for you. They're not. So I grew up in coal mine area. So... Never had running water in the house till I was eight years old. We had a pump and three houses used that pump for water. So I know what it is to go set on the wood in the middle of the winter at the shed, at the shanty outside. So we had no running water till I was eight. So... When we talk about a cellar, we would go down in our cellar because we had a coal bin and the coal would come and be shoveled in the coal bin. And my, my mom would say, Bill, to my dad, go down and stoke the fire. I heard that many times growing up. So I'd have to go down, put a little more coal in the coal furnace, stoke the fire. And that basement was a few things. Damp. Spiders were plenteous. Uh, it was cold. It was wet and it wasn't one of the most conducive places i didn't take my friends down and say hey you want to go hang out in the cellar i didn't do that because i didn't like going down there when i went down there it meant work so it was dark so understand when it talks about joash being in a cellar that is not one of the most conducive it is not in the king's palace serving him wine it's not in the king's palace being one of the servants it's probably worse than being over the stables but Joash is in a dark place. And a lot of people talk about when, that, when you read passages and read commentaries and read what people say, they think Joash was insignificant. I don't think he was insignificant. A lot of people think he remained in obscurity. I don't think that. I think oil, olive oil, was a precious commodity during this time. Used for medicine. Luke 10.34, the Good Samaritan. Used for medicine. It was the anointing oil. It was the major ingredient in the anointing oil. Myrrh, cassia, frankincense, and olive oil was the major ingredient that the priesthood used in Leviticus 14. You'll see it in the trespass offering in Leviticus 7. You'll see it in the grain offering in in, 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 uh, 1. It represented all through scripture, what? The Holy Spirit. Always representative of the Holy Spirit. You will see it in cooking. I believe it's the widow of Seraphath. That she had no oil or no flour and then it keeps growing and going. So it was used for cooking. You also see it. We just got through celebrating the Jewish community Hanukkah. Hanukkah. So you'll see it in the menorah. That the miracle that they call for the eight days that it burned in, in, the, in the temple. When uh, the, the Maccabees took over the temple and that's why they celebrate Hanukkah. It was the base for cosmetics and perfume. You'll see the lady that washed Jesus' feet in Matthew 26. It, that was one of the major ingredients she used there. I, reading this week and never knew this, at the Parthenian Games in Greece, when you won the games, it would be like the Olympics. You know, you stand, they put that little wreath on your head. And you know what they gave them? Never knew that. They gave them a vask of olive oil. 
as a victor. Now, how would you like that? You know, I don't know if you know who Otani is, this kid that, this, this young Japanese young man that just got the highest grossing contract in history. Ten years, 700 million. That's pretty good. He needs to be tithing here. Uh, but <laughs> go Otani. Uh, and, and Mahomes has a great contract. What about if they said that to Kelsey and Mahomes? Patrick, we're going to give you that amount in olive oil. I'll bet you'd have been so excited. Have some olive oil, Travis Kelsey. I don't think you'd have been really excited. But you know then what it was. They would give them that vask of olive oil. And then the winners would usually sell it for three years wages. That's how much it was worth. It's amazing. So Joash was the keeper of this. There was a lot of things olive oil was used for. He kept it. They had them in vats or in jars or in pots. And usually you would see the, the seal, the wax seal over. So he was over this. And I was thinking about maybe some nights he would come out of that cellar and look up. And the palace was, of course, set up in Jerusalem so you could see the king's palace. And he'd see the light on and he'd say, you know what? David's writing a psalm right now because I've got olive oil. I'll bet you he thought maybe people thought he was insignificant, but I promise you the king knew he was. And I want to say this stuff this morning. Even though we think we're in obscurity and nobody notices, you know what the first thing I noticed when I drove by this church? Well, it, it is domed and you look like a rocket and we are going to take off for God. I know that. But I, you know, I did. And, and Wendy knows this. I drove up by myself. Uh, I noticed the lawn, how meticulous it was, Harold, cut to perfection. You know what? You might not think so, but people look at that. There are people drive by and say, that ragged old church, it looks like a rocket ship. They're looking at that yard and thinking, somebody is taking care. It might be obscurity to other people, but thank you, sir. Thank you. You see, I believe this. God specializes in the obscure. God specializes in things that we don't think are significant. I remember, I'm going to say some stories. I remember I was youth pastoring one of the largest youth groups in Oklahoma. We had about 150 kids. It's a lot back in 1984 and 85. That's a lot. That's a big youth group. And I remember a man called me and said, I'd like to talk to you about something. And I said, what is it? And he said, well, I, you know, we, we're, we're thinking about putting a campus pastor at Oklahoma State University. And I said, what's that? He said, well, you, you pastor young people on the campus and you, you teach them about faith and you do outreach on campus. And I thought, what? I didn't know that. I, I, OSU to me was Ohio State University. I had no idea. Oklahoma State. I'm in Tulsa doing my thing. So we met him on campus and I'll never forget. I'll never forget when I met him. We're sitting down at a restaurant, and I look across, and I've been, we're paid well. We're in one of the best seasons of our life. And I look across, and it says, Stillwater's finest chicks. And we're meeting him next to a chicken hatchery, and I thought, God, are you calling me from a great work to a chicken hatchery? You know what I mean? You think, God, what are you doing? Have you ever done that before? And, you know, then he said, this is what you're going to be paid. And I went, oh, that, that's half of what I'm getting paid. So I'm going to go to God's assignment, be paid half, and be thrilled about it. Wendy looked at me and went, oh, no, 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 no. We, we, this, is, this can't be God. And we went there in a place of insignificance, in a place that was obscure and... I didn't realize that we were going to a group of students that didn't even want us to be there. There were 18 students in the first meeting. We met in a little house that they had bought, and they liked that little house. And they said, we're staying here. And I said, that's fine. So I preached my first message, talked to the kids. And then I went across the street, and I started walking the campus. And I didn't realize there were 21,000 students and 121 nations represented. Now, that's a mission field. That's a mission field. So, And those kids that come on that campus aren't kids that are making a 2.1. They're the best scholars in the world. And that's why they came over. So I went to the next meeting and I said, why aren't we meeting over on campus? And they went, 
because we like our house. I said, but there's a mission field over there. And I said, we're going to start meeting on campus. Eight of those kids left. We grew from 16 to eight. We were going after it. And I recognized that God had called me to a place where it wasn't going to be popular, but I needed to do that. So we moved over on campus. The first year we had eight students and we discipled and we worked and we prayed and we prayed. The next year we had about 20 and all eight of those students came back, by the way. Yeah, that was that was that did my heart good. And the next year, 20 became 60 and then 60 became 100. Then 100 became. And, you know, the story, God blessed us because we honored him. I want to say this to you. You might think you're in obscurity here and you've been here a long time, but you never know. What season God's going to take you through. And I believe God's getting ready for us. I just need to say this to you. For a season of harvest. That doesn't mean a season of movement. That doesn't mean a season of activity. It's just going to be. Let's believe God that souls are one at this church. Let's believe God that people find Jesus. Amen. Not only that we grow together, but that people find Jesus. Because even though you might think that you're a place that's nowhere, God knows we're here. God knows our history. And God knows what our next season's going to be. Amen? Amen. I think God not only specializes, and you might think that you're just the sound booth, or you've sat here for years, and God, what are you doing with me here? God sees us, and God knows us. And God not only... Specialized in obscure, I believe that God, God absolutely, placement is significant. There's a reason that this church moved from downtown to here. There's a reason you're here. It's not just to take up space on a corner off I-35. God's arena. Paul was birthed a Pharisee. He was born in Tarsus. He was trained in Jerusalem. Who would have thought God would have taken a killer? But he was the perfect guy to bridge to the Gentiles. He was the perfect guy to speak to the church. He was God's man at God's time and used in a perfect way. You see, God knows the assignment. God knows how to assign you. He knows where to put you. He, you know, I know so many people that come up to me after I speak and will say, would you please pray for me? I'm at work and everybody's unsaved there. And I'm going, pardon me. They said, I just don't like it there. I want to go to a place where more people are Christians. Why does God have you as a voice there? Why does God have you there? You see, God calls the light to shine out of darkness. So somebody had to go into darkness for the light to shine out, folks. That's why I'm glad we gather. I'm glad we celebrate. I'm glad we're here growing together in the Lord. But Monday through Saturday is where it's really happening, folks. We need to be out there among them. God's assignment just isn't here for us to worship. Great job this morning. For us just to worship and worship just isn't music. It's an act of life. Our whole life is to be worship. But sometimes we wish for another job when God has placed us there. And God has put us in our assignment. I believe God specializes in putting us in places of where our assignment is. You, but not only do you trust God. I think there's two things in life. I believe there's an arena where God places you. And that's in North Kansas City. And then there is the agenda. And that's God's, not only his assignment, but God also He trusts us. He not only trusts us with the placement, God trusts us with the assignment. Because you can be in a place and not get to God's assignment. It's easy, it's easy for me to say, I'm going to pastor the church and speak on Sunday. But what is God saying to me about why I'm here and why we're here at this point of time? I believe God not only trusts us, God only has God only has agendas for us, but he has arenas for us to be in. This is our arena, but what is our agenda? What is God saying to us about our assignment? Many of you might have something in your heart. God might have said something to you, and you've let it lay dormant for years. God might want to fan that flame and say, now's the time. Now's the time to do what I've asked you to do. I don't know what that is. Paul could have... 
in Acts 16, when you look at that passage where Paul is not permitted to go to Bethania and he's going to Troas and at Troas he's figuring out, God, what do you want me to do? And he has a vision of a man of Macedonia and he goes to Macedonia. We would not be here today if in Paul's arena at Troas, he didn't hear God's agenda and go to Macedonia because that was where the gospel entered into Europe. We're here because of that today. Because not only was he in the right arena, but he got to God's agenda. What I'm saying is, Joash could have stayed in the cellar all day long and not done his assignment, but he had to check the vats of oil. He had to distribute that to people. There's a lot he had to do. But you know what was key with his assignment? Please hear me on this. You're assigned by the king. King Jesus assigns you, doesn't he? And when our assignment is by the king, it's better to do. It's, it's not, might not be easy, but when we're assigned by the king, you and I are in a community in North Kansas City. We have God's placement. Let us please seek God for the right agenda. Let's be what God wants us to be in this place. God determines our moments. We need to see seasons for him. And I think about Joash and I think about many people think he was insignificant. What has God placed in your heart? What has God put in your heart? Because sometimes we come to a place and we think, This is the way it is. This is the way it's going to be. And God might have put something in your heart. Maybe you want to feed the homeless. I don't I don't know. Maybe you're you're wanting to teach and there's no place for you to teach. Maybe you're wanting to start a children's ministry. We have I I, I don't know what God has in your heart. I'm not I'm not trying to read your heart, but I'm saying this. If God has done something in your heart and you feel like that is laid resident, I pray that God can take that and fan the flame for you to be for you to be in ministry. And ministry just isn't here. This is a such a small part. When speakers speak on Sunday, that is just a small little bit of the kingdom. The kingdom of God happens when you're at Hy-Vee praying for somebody, Glenda. The kingdom of God happens when we go to a gas station and maybe get in the wrong car. I'm sorry. No, we go to a gas station. And uh, who knows what ministry could have happened there? I don't know. But when, when, we, when we are out and about, what I'm saying to us, are we open to the opportunities that God has for us? Sometimes we'll be in, and I remember when I was in high school, I just wanted to walk through the halls and graduate and get it out there. But there were guys that God asked me to pray for, and I did. I remember Gary Thompson coming to me my senior year in high school. He was a football player, an incredible one, went to, Go play for Ohio State. Uh, he said, hey. I went, hey. He said, do you do that? <laughs> Unset. People that don't know the Lord. Hey, do you do that prayer thing? And I went, what, what do you mean prayer thing? He said, do you do that prayer thing? And I went, yeah, we, we pray. And he went, would you do that prayer thing for my mom? <laughs> and I went, prayer thing for your mom. Okay. Uh, so I remember praying for Gary's mom and she had cancer. Remember him coming back and him saying to me, I'll never forget this. You know that? My mom's feeling a lot better. That, that thing works. You want to do that again? <laughs> I said, well, we, we do that. We can pray, you know. And I just, I just want to get across to you. Sometimes we feel like we come on Sunday and we take our place and we become pew potatoes. Excuse me, instead of couch potatoes. We just take our place and we come and we set and we go. God has more for us. God wants to use us every day of the week. Be open. Even though Josh was insignificant, he had a great place in the kingdom. One of the most valuable things in the kingdom was olive oil, believe it or not. You might think you're insignificant, but I'm saying to you, there are Gary Thompson out there that say, hey, do you do that prayer thing? Be open. But listen, if you pray the prayer, God use me. Dangerous prayer. Be open to what God will do because you might not see the little cracks. And that's why we need to be led by God. There are times that insignificant cracks open and you'll think it's just a crack, but it could be a whole window that God's opening for you. What's God saying to you about high school, college? You say, but I'm way past that. What's God saying to you about your neighbor? You've been across from this person for 30 years. And God might open up the opportunity for you one day just to pray and God might give him a bridge to Jesus. 
You never know what God's going to do. God's got you by your neighbors for a reason. God had Joash in the cellar for a reason. God knew. You might have a dream that's dormant, but God might be saying it's time to let it loose. God sees you. If people don't notice you, I'm telling you, God sees you. Um, something in my heart this morning that I want to talk about just for a minute. And these are going to be, believe me, these are going to be a little different messages the next two or three. Because I want you to get to know me. Uh, and I want, I want you to know that... God wants to know you. And I think sometimes we, we come to church, and, and believe me, this isn't the first church, first church service I've ever sat in. Um, there were times in our life we've been a part of 17-week revivals every night for 17 weeks. Uh, we've been a part of some great things in our life, and I'm thankful. But I want to tell you this morning that God knows your story. God knows our story. Because I think the challenge with us is, in America, we have preached so much individualism that we forgot we're the body of Christ as a whole. We come together. We depend on each other. We love each other. Uh, we'll talk about that as weeks to come. The three things I'd like to do this morning is, number one, I want to pray for the sick this morning. I want you to stand up for Joe. We're going to pray for him this morning. Pray with her. Anybody else sick or has a need, I want you to stand right now. See, I believe in the body of Christ. Now, a lot of people, I could do a fancy altar call and get you all crying and tell you a story. And, you know, I, I, I believe me, after you speak a while, I'm going to tell you something about emotion. Emotion doesn't set you free. Truth does. Truth sets you free. Truth. The word. So I'd like someone to be with them. Go with them and pray. Someone stand beside them. Because wherever two are earth is touching anything they shall ask, it shall be done of my Father which is in heaven. Let's pray together with people. Oh, yeah. You just need to go. Don't worry about me. Just go. We'll get it done. I'm just... God, I thank you today that you love us, that you care for us, that we need you. Today, you're the healer. I look at Joash and I think, insignificant? Yes. Assigned by the king? Absolutely. I pray for Joe in this eye situation, God, right now, that you'll heal him, touch him, and may this thing reside and go away. Any other needs that I don't know about, God, you know. You look down from heaven and you see us. You see our church. You see our time. And you know, God, that you're here. I thank you that you're here and you love us, God. You help us and you're a part of us. Today, bring your healing hand, God. Bring your hand. I pray that we will hear miracles and we will see Jesus. You walked around doing good healing all. The Bible is so clear. That the elders of the church call for them and pray over them, anointing them with oil, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. The Bible is so clear in Isaiah that you were wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of your peace upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. I believe for healing today, God. I believe you're a healer, and I believe you walk through churches. You even walk through malls. You walk through streets. And if we are willing... Let our faith touch the hand of God today. Do a miracle, Jesus. And we thank you. In your name we pray. And God's people said, Amen. 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 I don't know if you got something in your heart, folks. I don't know what God's speaking to you. Uh, we've got a journey together. I know that. I'm thankful for it. Uh, I rambled a little bit this morning because I just, I want you to hear my heart. I'm not worried about doing the one, two, three homiletical. It's pretty. You went home. I had a great message. I'm worried about hearing God's heart for us. I'm concerned. I want to hear God's heart for us. That's what I'm saying. Um, if there's something, if there's a dream you have in your mind or a, a, just something God's given you and you feel like, you know, I, I really feel like I need to talk to the pastor about this. I'm willing to hear any dream that God's given you. 
The budget does not allow us to feed all of Kansas City hamburgers tomorrow. I'm sorry, hamburgers. We can't do that. I, I, some of your dreams are, I know they're, you know, I'm just saying we got to be careful with our feeding. Got to be careful with our feeding program. But um, I, I'm willing to hear your dream because I think a lot of times we sit in church and we have these dreams that God gives us. And we wonder, you know, is this a church for that dream? I think we can dream together as God's people. I do. I do. I believe we can dream together. I want to ask you this. Um, would you bow your heads with me just for a minute? Just for a minute. Just for a minute. I'll just ask that just for a second. I just want to make sure all hearts are clear today before we go. If you're, uh, if you're here and you're away from God, and we know that. We don't have to have a preacher tell us we're away from God. Our heart tells us that. If you're away from God, I just want you to lift your eyes up and make eye contact with me. I'm away from God. I need God this morning. I need God this morning. Today is your day, Jesus. There's no season like it. I think Joe Ash really relates to most of us because some of us feel like our life has been in a cellar and we've been insignificant. But God, you see that. You see us in our obscurity. You see us in the times when it seems like nobody knows. But God, you know. And you see. And you assign. And you anoint. And this morning I pray for the people that looked at me that they would draw close to you. Right now, Lord, uh, pray with me. Say, dear Jesus, I repent of my sins. I give you my heart. Thank you for dying for me, Jesus. I recognize your death and your resurrection. Let me walk with you. And hear from you. I give you my life. Amen. The one thing I can promise you. You can raise your heads. Thank you folks. The one thing that I promise you. This church will disciple people. We will take people that are new believers. And we will help them. All of us. Because you know what I think the church is missing in this day and age. We're compartmentalized. We have our children's church. We have our youth church. And it's great. When you're larger, I understand that even if you're large, I think, I think there is a time where everybody needs to set together. Children need to set with their parents. Teenagers need, teenagers need to set with their grandmothers. I think we've lost a little something in multi-generational discipleship. I'll tell you what, I had a young man named Buck Moorhead when I was uh, 15 years old that took me under his wing. He was 25. But my pastor was in his 40s and he helped me. And there was a little lady Her name was Lillian Carpenter. She was in her 80s. She would come up to me every after every church service. And we had a lot of young people in our church. I wasn't the only one. She said, she said, Billy, she said, God's got his hand on you. I'm going to pray for you every day. And I remember she would come up to me after church and hold. She would not let me get out of the parking lot. Lady, she just won't let go of me. But uh, she she held my hand and she would pray prayers that angels would hear. You know, there are some people like that. You pray and you say, stop, because God's listening to this person. I guarantee you. Uh, Let's take time for our young people. Let's not let them pass by. For our young couples that come to the church, take time as older folk, me included, to love them, to care for them, because they need us. They need our wisdom. They need our love. This is our church. Guys, I know you won't go out saying this is the second best message you ever heard in your life. That's not, my, that's not my issue today. It really isn't. But I want to say this to you. Let's love each other. Let's care for each other. Because when I, when I came to this church the first time, never do one, two. My wife says, I've got to be a steward. You know, I've got to do two. Uh, I remember the love. It, I'm not here because uh, I'm getting Travis Kelsey money. That's not, I'm not being mean. I'm not being mean. No, that's, I'm not, I'm, you know what I mean? I'm here 
because of God's call. And uh, we are here. We want to be with you, eat with you, laugh with you, cry with you, pray with you, cry with you. We're here. And uh, there's no more I can say than that. God loved these people. When they walk out of this building today, I know they're going to stay a long time because I've seen them do it. And we're going to talk and we're going to laugh and we're going to love. And there's going to be times we have visitors. And God, I just pray we love them. Because people come searching, Lord. They come searching for a group. Is there people like me at that church that will love me? Is there people there that will give me the time? And we're going to give them the time and we're going to love them. Because we're going to be a bridge to North Kansas City, God. We're going to let people walk over and see Jesus in us. Give us a good week. Bring us back Sunday ready to celebrate your birth. I pray for Wednesday night. I will not be able to be here this Wednesday, God, but I pray for Wednesday night. You'll bless the teaching and give us traveling mercies, God. Be with us. And Lord, we need you. And even though some people here might feel their obscurity, God, you know them, you know their name, and you're gonna, you're, if they're not assigned, you have an assignment for them. I pray we are we not only in your arena, but we hear your agenda today, God. In Jesus' name and God's people said. Have the best Sunday of your life, guys. Have the best Sunday of your life. Thank <laughs> you.